Hey guys, we wanted to pop in real quick and tell you about an event that's coming up on Monday, September the 20th. Monday. Yes. We were invited to participate in a panel discussion with the St. Charles City County Library. St. Charles City County Library? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's right. there was that one place in Ohio that was a county city. We never make mistakes. (laughs) Um, It's about Sharon Kinney, who is the subject of the longest currently outstanding arrest warrant for murder. She's on the lam in the history of Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. If you guys remember, we covered her story in episode 46. So if you haven't gotten to that episode yet, now maybe might be a good time to skip ahead. And if you've already heard it, go back and listen so that you can- Freshen up and- chat with us yeah it's a totally virtual event on zoom and we'll put the links in our show notes on this episode we'll also put them in our um, instagram bio the link tree there so you can find it and if you're in the facebook group the link is there we'll put it everywhere we can it is at 7 p.m central Uh 6 p.m eastern yes we've got to remember that yes (laughs) so yeah virtual event zoom to talk about murder yes and show up because we want to just like pack this house with our followers and it's not just us. There's a couple of other true crime podcasts involved, too. I think yeah, two others. Which is um, going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, we're excited. So we hope you can come. All right. Goodbye. Now, go enjoy the episode. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hey, this is the Witches, Magic, Murder, and Mystery Podcast. And I'm Kara. We've been talking for almost six minutes. That's Megan. I'm Megan. (laughs) And we decided that we should restart. over. (laughs) Okay, I'm here with my episode. Have you ever heard of the Watcher House? (gasps) Yes, I have this one on my list. It's such a creepy, great story. It's so good. Mm -hmm. But it's such a long one. Like, it has so many details that I was like, I can't stop. That's okay. I can't stop. It's worth it. It's really good. Okay, so I'm pretty sure their name is Broadus. Sure. I'm going to... I don't know. The Broaduses, they were buying a house, and it was a big new house. They had been, like, blue-collar family, just living their lives. And then he, the dad, got some raises and got promoted within his company. Um, and so his salary, he became vice president of the company. Mm. Um, and it was an insurance company in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So it was finally, his salary was finally large enough for them to afford a $1.3 million house. Dang. Dang. That's quite a step up. It is. I mean, we live in Moving Kentucky where houses up. are less expensive. To east side, to our deluxe apartment in the sky. I remember <laughs> we used to watch that all the time growing up. Oh, I loved it. My so brother, much. it was like one of his favorites and we would always watch it. The Jeffersons. Gosh, For so you good. youngins out there. You youngins that'll never know. Yeah, you know nothing. Okay, anyways, so it was called 657 Boulevard, and they had three kids. The kids were super excited. They had so many places in the house. They were like, okay, this is going to go here. This is going to go here. They had so many chimneys. They were like, which one Santa Claus is going to come out of? They were so very excited. So they decided to do some renovations on the house before they moved in. Mm. So they needed to paint and fix a few things. So they received a note in their mailbox and they were like, this is weird. Like we just, we just moved here. We're not living here. Maybe it's a sweet note from one of our neighbors. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With cookies. Uh Uh-huh. And it was June 2014 that this first letter arrived. Oh, I didn't even realize it was, I thought it was longer ago. Yeah. Wow. That makes it even weirder. Yes. So it was a card-shaped envelope and it said it was addressed in thick, clunky handwriting to the new owner. It began. 
dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard allowed me to welcome you to the neighborhood. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with the force within? Oh, no. Yep. So it continues, 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I've been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in 1920s. My father watched it in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. (laughs) No. I mean... Like I said, I've heard this story and it still is just like, why? What is happening and why? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. As the letter continues, it identified their minivan and the workers that were renovating the home. It said, I see already that you have flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so you, you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Earlier that week, Derek and Maria, the new owners, had gone to the house and chatted with their new neighbors while their children, who were 5, 8, and 10, played in the backyard with a bunch of the kids from the neighborhood. Because what else do you do? Mm -hmm. You're just trying to get them acclimated. Well, yeah. And you want your kids to make friends. Yes. In the note, it said, you have children. I've seen them. So far, I think that there are three I've counted. And so they said, are there more on the way? Oh, that's so scary. Mm -hmm. Just to... No, they're watching your kids. Yep. The letter continued, do you need to fill the house with young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. So it has no, obviously has no return address. Who am I? The person wrote. There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at the windows and you can see me from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I'm in one. Look out many of the windows at all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I'm one. The letter concluded with the suggestion that this message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Followed by a signature typed in cursive, The Watcher. What bugs me the most is that whoever's writing the letters is so obviously trying to intimidate them, you know? Yeah. And just like... It's not like they're accidentally being socially awkward and yeah. weird. Like yeah, yeah. They are no, it's purposely like they want I'm you to feel with this. Yeah. Like it's like a friendly tone with threatening words. Yes. You know, yeah, which yeah. makes it even more eerie. Yeah. yeah. It said when he was reading the letter, it's about 10 p.m. and he was alone in the house. So he's running around the house, turning all the lights off so no one can see inside. And he calls the police department. They send an officer out. They read the letter. And the officer literally said, what the fuck is this? <laughs> as you would the officer continued to ask him do you have any enemies and he said maybe move a piece of construction equipment from the back porch in case the watcher decides to toss it through a window to get in oh my gosh yeah he rushed back to his wife and kids that were still living in the old home somewhere else in westfield that night derek and maria wrote an email to john and andrea woods who were the people who sold them 657 boulevard to ask if they had any idea who the watcher was and why they had received this letter and why he or she would have written in the letter also i asked the woods to bring me young blood and it looks like they listened Mm -mm. so he's like obviously they got a letter too but they just haven't said anything about it so the people who the woodses Mm -hmm. it's just really weird so it says a few days before moving out the woodses 
had also received a letter from the watcher. The note had been weird. So she was like, I don't know that this is real. So we're just going to toss it. But she did read it. She said it did make mention of the watcher's family observing the house over time. She said they had never received anything like that in the 23 years that they had been living in that house. Mm -hmm. So they just were like, this is something stupid. They're just mad that we're moving or new people are moving in or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like you do wonder, like, is it somebody who's like mad? Yeah. Did they want somebody else to buy the house? Did they want to buy the house? Are they like crazy historical people who were like this right. is a 110 year old house like tearing our house apart our yeah. community apart yeah but the whole thing of like my grandfather watched it my, my dad watched it yeah but why did they only watch it in the 20s the 60s and then 2014 well i think it's that they watched it for for those years, years. Oh, okay and then he passed it on that's how i've read it i don't know that's exhausting is this person writing it just that one's the mentally ill one or like has this craziness been passed down through generations right where they're like son we've got to watch this house son there's something going on here we need young blood the ho- it's like the house Why? is alive yeah and then there's the other part of me that's where i like to believe in crazy scary things uh-huh. where i'm like is there something about this house. Yeah. Is the house coming? Is the yeah. house alive? Yeah. I wrote a scary story once. You might have read it where it's like a plant shop. Yes. Yes. Where there's like the wall. It is uh-huh. like the plant shop was a living, breathing yes. thing. And it's like a horror story. And it is. That's what I keep thinking about with this. Uh, it's creepy. Uh, <laughs> I think the weirdest part too is you don't, is that we don't know their intention. Like yeah. we don't. You know never know. What is, uh, yeah, we, that's yeah. the mystery. It's still a mystery. <laughs> So it said that uh, Maria asked the Woodses to go to the police station where the detective they had been talking to was there. He said, do not tell anybody about these letters, including all of your new neighbors. And she had not met several of them. So she was like, okay, fine. Well, that's true. Because if one of them mentions it, then you know, like, how, how would they know? Yes. So Derek was supposed to go on a work trip. He canceled that. Um, and whenever they took the new kids to the new house... Or the new kids, the kids to the new house, they would yell their names if they wandered into a corner of the yard and they couldn't see them. And I'm like, no, why are you doing that? I mean, it's, yeah, you don't, you're giving them their names, names. but it's also terrifying that like the minute you can't spot your kid, you'd be freaked out. Yes, that's true too. And it sucks because this is like their dream home that they've worked really Uh hard to get to. Yeah. So then a couple on the block asked a tour. I mean, obviously your neighbors are like, oh my gosh, can I see the renovations or whatever? And you're like, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, he freaked out when the wife of that couple was like, oh, it'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. <gasps> yes. Yes. One morning, their general contractor arrived and he found the heavy sign that he had hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. Mm. So he's like, what the heck is happening? Two weeks after the letter got there, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She saw another card in the mailbox. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard, the watcher wrote. The workers have been busy and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the wall you see walls yet? In time they will. Oh God. <gasps> in the walls. In the walls. So it said this time the watcher had addressed Derek and Maria directly, but they misspelled their names as Mr. and Mrs. Broadus spelled differently. So was he close enough to hear the contractors addressing them, or did he just like figure out their name somehow? He also apparently had been learning a lot about the family. He knew the kids by birth order and their nicknames. Oh, no. He said it was the ones Maria had been yelling at them. He said, I'm pleased. He or she said, I'm pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. The letter asked about one child in particular whom the writer had seen using an easel inside the enclosed porch. 
is she the artist of the family? That feeling that you that you know you've been watched is yes, hard. horrifying. So it said the letter continued. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It's far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. This happened seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Like whoever wrote these letters is out there right now doing what? Watching the house. Oh, God. If you're listening to this podcast, turn it off right now. Get out of here. <laughs> Quit doing that. God. Quit Go to therapy. That. Figure out why you're like this. Why are you like this? Or is there something really in the house that we need to know about? <laughs> I don't like it either says, one of it, these oh, it, conti- it continues. Will they sleep in the attic or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know. Who is in which bedroom? Then I can plan better. No. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. So the Woods family's basically saying they received one letter. One letter and they were just like, this is stupid. I wonder if that's true though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, maybe they didn't want to... Yeah. They just started getting freaked out. Yeah. But they lived there for For 23 years. The watcher says, I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And now you are too, Broadus family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Breed is what (sighs) brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard. Now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I'll be watching. So they stopped bringing the kids to the house. They weren't sure when or if they would move in. And several weeks later, a third letter arrived. Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Oh, God. The Westfield residents were comparing the town to Mayberry. They were like, it's it's like the Andy Griffith show. Like, there's nothing happening here. Um, <laughs> if the Andy Griffith it, show was a horror movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, they were like, this is just the safest place to be. Like, I don't know what you all are doing to our small town. This is so weird. Yes. So one activity all locals recognized, they said there's a lot of money and a lot of ego, one resident said. They didn't want their name to be out mm. there. But they said, I've seen bidding wars where friends lost 300000 The Broadest's house was on the boulevard, a wide tree-lined street, some of the most desirable homes in the town. As the watcher had noted, the boulevard used to be the street to live on. So you were like, no shit, if you were living there. Yeah. So it's somebody who has some issues with wealth. Yeah. But the Broadus family worked their way to like up to it. He worked his butt off. But and he doesn't now, know that. Like the yeah, watcher doesn't true. know that. That's true. He's not been watching the family. He's just been watching the, the, house. the house. Yes. And it also said that it was built in 1905. It was perhaps the greatest home on the block. And um, when the Woods put it on the market, they received multiple offers above their asking price. And that was what led the Broadduses to initially su- suspect that the watcher might be someone upset over losing out on the house. Mm-hmm. But they, the Woods said that one interested buyer had backed out after a bad medical diagnosis while another one had already found a different home. And an email to the Broadduses, Andrew Woods proposed another theory. Would the mention of the contractor's trucks and your children suggest that it was someone in the neighborhood? Yeah. Obviously. But if they're um, in the neighborhood, then aren't they wealthy too? You would think so. Mm-hmm. Unless they're just living in grandma's basement and grandma's wealthy. Oh, yeah. 
The letters had been processed in Kearney, the U.S. Postal Service's distribution center in northern New Jersey. So they said it had to have been close, like sent from somewhere close. Uh-huh. Um, the first one was postmarked June 4th before the sale was public. And the Woodses had never put a for sale sign up. And only a day after the contractors arrived is when the letter arrived. So it's like someone had been watching somewhere. And it also says the renovations were mostly interior. People said that they didn't really notice any unusual commotion, even with them jackhammering in the basement. So when Detective Lugo came into the house, they showed him that the easel was on the porch was hidden from view because of all the vegetation. Oh, wow. So it would have been super difficult to see unless someone's like behind the house or next door. Okay. And just like they're watching your kid. Yes. A few days after that first letter arrived, the couple went to a barbecue across the street, welcoming them and another new homeowner on the block. And it said the Broadduses hadn't told anyone about the watcher's letters like the police had told them. And they found themselves scanning the party for clues and keeping times on their kids, just like trying to literally yeah. watch every I mean, how person. would you ever relax? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maria said, we kept screaming at them to stay close. People must have thought we were insane. Yeah. Like, wow, helicopter parent, you know? Yes, exactly. They have no idea what they've been dealing with. Yeah. At one point, Derek Broaddus was chatting with John Schmidt, who lived two doors down, when Schmidt told him about the Langfords, who lived between them. Peggy Langford was in her 90s, um, and several of her adult children on their 60s still lived with her. He said the family was a bit odd, um, but harmless. He described one of the younger Langfords, Michael, who didn't work and had a beard like Ernest Hemingway, as kind of a Boo Radley character. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he didn't work and had a beard like Ernest Hemingway. Yes. Great. Great. So it's what a, a way to describe it. I know. Derek thought, oh, this is it. Solved it. Case yeah. is solved. You win. Um, so Especially what, when they use Boo Radley as a reference. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So he was like, the Langford's house is right next to our easel on the porch. They can see everything. They've been there forever. The watcher's father, the letter said, had begun since forever ago. You know, they've grown up, but yes. they still live with their mom. Yeah. They've lived here forever. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, this would Could be the only family. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when they told the detective about this family, he said he already knew about them. And a week after the first letter arrived, he had brought Michael Langford to the police headquarters for an interview. So the fact that he already yeah. thought to talk to this. I was going to say, like, he was like, oh, way ahead of you. Yeah. 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 I got <laughs> We know the guy. The artist yes. white beard. Yeah. yeah. We know him. <laughs> We've dealt with him before. But it says Michael denied knowing anything about the letters. And they told the detective that the narrative of what he said matched the things mentioned in the letters. This isn't CSI Westfield. Lugo, the detective, later told them when the wife is dead, it's the husband. So he's just like, this is so cut and dry. Like, what? I don't Like, it's obvious. Like, it's obvious. Yeah. It's him? Yeah. But he's saying it's not. So they had, like, nothing to go on, though. So he thinks it's him. There's just no way to prove it. Yeah. Yeah. He said there wasn't much hard evidence. When the wife is dead, it's the husband. Uh Even if there's not a lot of evidence. I get it. Yeah. Okay. Now I get it. He says, but there's not a lot of hard evidence. After a few weeks, they told the Broadduses that, short of an admission, there's not much that they can do. This is someone who threatened my kids. And the police (sighs) are saying, probably nothing's going to happen, Derek said. Probably isn't good enough for me. After the second letter, Derek told the cops that if they didn't take care of the situation, they would have a different kind of case on their hands. This person attacked my family and where I'm from. If you do that, you get your ass beat. (laughs) But I mean, you would be. You'd be like the longer it went on. Yes. And again, what's the point of any of this? Right. I mean, you would get super, super angry. Yes. 
He said his wife started thinking that he was crazy. He would go to a local coffee shop in Manhattan and lay out all his documents of like things that he had come up with on his own because he's like, the cops aren't helping us in any way. They also turned to several experts. They had a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood, ran background checks on the Langfords. He didn't find anything. Derek had reached out to a former FBI agent who's served as the inspiration for Clarice Starling in The Silence of the Lambs. (laughs) Yeah. They were on a high school board of trustees together. They also hired Robert Lenaham, um, another former FBI agent, to conduct a threat assessment. And they said Lanaham recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letter that pointed to an older writer. The envelope was addressed to M.M. Broadus. The salutations included the day's weather, warm and humid, sunny and cool for a summer day. And the sentences had double spaces between them. The letters had a certain literary, I don't know. Just a style. Yeah, style to it, which suggested a ferocious leader or reader leader. (laughs) And it didn't have any profanity. He said, given the amount of like anger. So he yeah, said, that's what's like, the creepiest so thing. A macho writer. He was just like, I don't, I don't know what to think of this. Like, either this is an old lady writing these letters for someone, or this is like just like someone grew up. Yeah. Or it's somebody whose main socialization is with a 90 year old woman. Yeah. Yeah. And it also said that the letter had like a seething anger directed towards like the wealthy in particular. It said that the watcher was upset about new money moving into town. Are you one of those Hoboken transplants who are ruining Westfield? <laughs> and they were just like, what the heck? We're making like simple renovations. I mean, that's the whole thing. You don't know who these people are or their story or how they got here. Yes. And like to have this much anger. Yeah. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all mm-hmm. over again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh we gosh. got a so exciting and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curve frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay. So I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly wavy hair. So it was a huge game changer for me. It dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny, which I noticed immediately. Mm -hmm. I didn't even need to straighten it afterwards. And usually I do because usually I have all those wild like curls left over. The wind power on this thing is intense. It's wild. Like I turned it up. I was like, let's play with these buttons. Okay. So it has three magnetic styling attachments. They're all amazing. You know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's going to be so tangled. Not with this one. And it's magnetic. So it's great. So right now, you guys, our listeners can get 30% off their first order at timobeauty.com. T-Y-M-O beauty.com. 
using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Menopausal and perimenopausal women, listen up. It's time to take control of your health and comfort and Winona is here to help. Winona is a telemedicine company for menopause care who believes that your symptoms are real, important, and deserve to be taken seriously. And for many women, this starts with hormone replacement therapy. Winona's HRT is made with plant-based, bioidentical hormones rather than synthetic ones, so it better aligns with your body to offer relief from hot flashes, weight gain, and other uncomfortable symptoms. 80% of women who use Winona find relief within just 90 days. So what are you waiting for? Get started today. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use code SPRING24 at buywinona.com for 25% off your first treatment plan. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com for 25% off. Winona, menopause care made easy. So one of the letters said the house is crying from all the pain it's going through. You've changed it and made it so fancy. You're stealing its history. It cries for the past and what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. Oh. And the 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard when I ran from room to room imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old and so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. So the detective said, look into former housekeepers or the descendants. Perhaps the watcher was jealous that they had bought the new home that he couldn't afford or the watcher couldn't afford. Yeah. Their detective started watching the Langfords. He brought Michael Langford in for a second interview, got nowhere, and his sister Abby accused the police of harassing their family. Eventually, the Broadduses hired a Lee Levitt, a lawyer who met with several members of the family, as well as their attorney, to show them letters along with photos explaining how their home was one of the few vantage points from which the easel could have been seen. The meeting got like hot and heavy and the people were super angry. They insisted that their son was innocent. And one night, Derek had a dream in which he confronted Peggy, the oldest there, and demanded she build an eight-foot fence between the properties. I feel like I would have given up on this house by now. Yeah. But I guess if you've invested this much money into it and it's like your dream home, yeah. you've worked really hard your whole life, you don't want to give up on it. But yeah, man, it would so quickly ruin the like magical aspect of having this great big beautiful new house yes oh yeah the house painter had also noticed something strange the couple behind 657 boulevard kept a pair of lawn chairs uh super close to their property he said one day i was looking out the window and saw this older guy sitting in one of the chairs he wasn't facing the house he was facing the broadduses he was just sitting there looking at their house. It, but also, do you know how, like, nosy old people are? And they probably are just like, what's happening in this house? Or they're the watcher. What if it's, like, the whole neighborhood? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. What if, like, it's, like, one of those Stepford Wives or, yeah. or uh, the Get Out <gasps> movie, you know? Oh, yes. Where there's, like, it's not just one person. It's, like, a whole bunch of people Slew are in of them. But why? Yeah. Unless they're all crazy. They're all a cult. Maybe there's something in the water that's made them all oh, crazy. Oh, insane. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's a good one. But it's, it makes it, like, scary. But they make the, all these people that you're talking to and letting in your house, and they're all, like, secretly, like, 
Yes. Noticing everything about everyone, and they make the poor grandma write the letters. Oh, my God. This is so scary. Because she started it. <laughs> because she's 90, and the house is like, I'd watch that movie. <laughs> We've got this. Nobody. Yeah. Trademark. TM, TM, TM. Trademark. <laughs> By the end of 2014, the investigation stalled. The watcher had no digital trail, no fingerprints, and no way to place someone at the scene of the crime that could have been hatched from pretty much any mailbox in northern New Jersey. The letters could be read closely for possible clues or dismissed, just like ramblings of a sociopath. It was like trying to find a needle in a haystack, um, one of the investigators said. In December, the Westfield police told the Broadduses they had run out of options. Derek had shown the letters to his priest, who agreed to bless the house. I mean, what else are you going to do at this point? They were sent to the regular mail system, right? Yes. It's not like they went. Yeah. They didn't drop them off. Right. They installed a new alarm system. They were about to finish everything within a few months, but the idea of moving in just had them super overwhelmed. Could they even let their kids play outside or have friends over? They would constantly be wondering if the friends were associated with this psychopath. Are they going to get a letter every single day? They priced out German shepherds and posted a job on a website for military veterans. All you have to do is work out in the backyard every day. <laughs> but the Broadduses hadn't bought 657 to feel bunkered into a fortress. Yeah, they bought it it's to live a yeah. yeah. He said, but we're not going to put our kids in harm's way. Yeah. It, that's the whole thing. It's like, if it was just you, it's like, well, I'll deal with this. But knowing that your kids, yeah, if there was any sort of weirdness, they might not pick up on it. Like, you can sort of be hyper aware, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But it's like your kids, you know, some nice man comes up and starts chatting with them. And right. that's the whole, like, I'm a friend of your parents. And yeah. You, you can't, like, 100% guarantee right. their safety. And it would be. Yeah. Terrifying. Well, the painter one day said they were so joyous about their new home and within days they're petrified. I'm a stranger and Maria was crying and shaking in my arms. It didn't help that the watcher seemed to be getting more and more unhinged. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend and now it's my enemy. I'm in charge of 657 Boulevard. It's not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again like it once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. Another what if this is just some awful bread. joke? Like, what if it's just some teenager who's like, this will be funny? Yeah. Terrifying. I mean, still has to have some aspect of mental illness because yes. you'd have to know this isn't funny. This is no longer And maybe funny. send one letter, but can- continuing it. Yes. One letter is also not funny. No. But, you know, teenagers aren't always This funny. is like the Circleville <laughs> letter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, what if this was some sort of weird social experiment and they just didn't get the hint didn't, that this is too far? They can't handle a social environment. I'd rather believe that, that it's some weird yes. social experiment and they're like, oh, ooh, <laughs> good, we messed up. Nobody got the punchline part. Yeah, ooh, we got Like, they're over here like, this is great. This is so they're in on it. This is a great it. joke. so funny. And We're going to be like, friends. <laughs> no. <laughs> So it said they had originally sold their old home, so they had to move in with Maria's parents while they continued to pay mortgage and property taxes on 657 Boulevard. Um, It said, I had to do things like shovel the driveway, Derek said, just 
picture that tiny, that little bit of indignity. I'd have to go at five in the morning, then come back and do it again at my in-laws. They only told a handful of friends about the letters when everybody else is asking, like, why aren't you moving in? He was like, oh, legal issues. We're just having some issues. They just began fighting. They had to go to therapy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. After six months after the letters arrived, they're not living there. They're like, you know what? We're going to try to sell it. This is ridiculous. And they listed it for more than what they paid because of the renovations. Yeah. But it says few worlds are more gossipy than suburban New Jersey. So rumors had already began about the letters. Yeah. Yeah. So one broker said, my client loved it, but there are so many unsubstantiated rumors flying around, ranging from sexual predator to stalker. They need to know more about the situation. So they sent a partial disclosure mentioning the letters to the interested buyers and told their realtor they would disclose full letters to anyone whose offer was accepted. So several bids came in below the asking price, but they were they're not ready to take such a financial hit. So they're not going to share the letters with people who are just like, oh, no, we're not going to do this unless you whatever. What if you were someone who made an offer on that house and then you saw the letters? What would you think? Oh, I would be mortified. Yeah. But what if it was like, this is my dream house? Yeah. Would you move? I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would. I don't think I would. But also, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what he said. He was like, I don't know how you live through what we did and think you could do it to somebody else. So he's like, yeah, you'd have to disclose it. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, you just want to get out of it. They didn't know about the letters beforehand and the Woodses obviously did. But if they only got one letter, I could see why the Woodses would be like, there's no reason to tell them about this. But on the second, that's what makes me wonder, like, did the Woods really only get one letter? Because why would they have just sent them one letter? But yeah. Send them, unless it's some new mentally ill person. or Right, know. right. And it, the Woods had told them, like, we certainly never felt watched. We only got one letter and we rarely ever locked the doors. Oh, my God. I can't imagine that. A year after buying the house, they filed a legal complaint against the Woodses, arguing that the Woodses should have disclosed the letter just as they had the fact that water sometimes like got their yeah, like the water house, got yeah. in the basement. They hoped to reach a quiet settlement. Their kids still didn't know about the watcher and their lawyer assured them that at most small legal news hire might pick up the story. Just maybe. <laughs> he said we do some creepy stories. It was Tamron Hall on the Today Show a few weeks later. This might be top 10 creepy. A local reporter had found the complaint, which included snippets of the watcher's threats. And after a belated attempt by the Broadduses to seal it, the story went viral. So news trucks were out there. Everything was happening. It just went wild. I guess the other thing that amazes me is how recently this happened on the Today Show. Yes. 2014. Uh-huh. They still couldn't figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If this happened in the 80s, it'd be like, yeah, well, we didn't know as much then. There was no way of tracking things like there is now. But this was seven years ago. Yeah. It's insane. Like I said, like all these news channels were out there. All these things were happening. It went viral. Everything just got crazy for them. And then some people were calling them wimps for not moving in. Someone said, I would never let this sicko stop me from moving into a house. Never back down from a terrorist. And I'm like, what? No, now I'm mad. <laughs> you have three small children you're trying to protect. Yeah. This Whoever is you are, it's like, I'd move in. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. If you felt like you were being watched and someone who's so obviously wanting you to be afraid. Yeah. It's like, how far will they go to keep you afraid? Yeah. They knew that Michael Langford, the neighbor, had been looked at 
And then his brother, Sandy Langford, had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young man. He sometimes spooked newcomers to the neighborhood when he did strange things like walk through their backyard. So this is the same family peek, that uh-huh. you were talking about earlier, right? Yep. The 90-year-old yep. mom? Or peek into the windows of homes that were being renovated. But those who knew him told him that odd things he did were mostly just unusual neighborly kindnesses. He goes out and gets newspapers for me every morning, said John Schmidt, who lives next door. People who had known Michael for decades told me they didn't think he was capable of writing these letters. Well, it also seems like if he's this level of mentally ill, I don't even Mm -hmm. know how well he would have been able to hide it. Yeah. You know? The people that they had hired looked deeper into the case, and they eventually conducted a DNA analysis on one of the envelopes and determined that the DNA belonged to a woman. They decided to look more closely at Abby Langford, Michael's sister, who worked as a real estate agent. Was she super upset because she didn't get the sale? Right. Or Or she had a different Uh buyer and she was trying to get Uh these people out? Yeah. But they said that the DNA sample wasn't a match. So they like got a water bottle from her. It's a really extreme thing to do. Yes. (laughs) Just because you want to have the sale. Like, just go sell another house. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. So they didn't tell him why or how, but they just ruled out the Langfords as suspects. Mm -hmm. So they were like, what? well, then what the heck is happening? Like, what are we doing here? Like, how? what are we even going to do? Yeah. I guess your only hope is that they'll figure out who it is and then you'll know you're safe. Yeah. But if they can't figure out who it is. Yep. So they decided to reopen their personal investigation because they were like, well, the cops were helping out, but now we're screwed again. Yeah. They had several neighbors that were still in the pool of suspects, but it said they spent an afternoon walking the block with a picture of the watcher's handwritten envelope. They hoped someone might recognize the writing from like a Christmas card. But the only thing that happened was an older man who lived behind 657 said his son joked that the watcher sounded a little bit like him. I'm like, what? What? Yeah. Like his dad? Yeah. And it's just like, why Why would, why would, why would you, you joke that? about yeah. that? Yeah. Um, or maybe his son was like, is it you? Like, yeah. Like, ha ha. Sounds kind of like you, dad. <laughs> dad, this is so funny. <laughs> just to see his reaction. The cops continued to be like, there's just not, we can't, we, we just have this, these letters. Like mm-hmm. we have nothing to go on. We have DNA that doesn't match anybody right now. Like what, what do you even want us to do? So they decided one night to sit out on, on the street, just in like unmarked vehicles. They were sitting in the back of a van parked on the boulevard, watching the house through a pair of binoculars. Around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of the house long enough for them to grow suspicious. He said he traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block as 657. The woman told them that her boyfriend was into some really dark video games, including a memory. They said one specific playing character was the Watcher. As for the female DNA... Uh, they figured it could have been the girlfriends. They said the boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time. He agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions, but he never showed up. And they didn't have enough evidence to compel him to appear, like force him to get in there. And with all the media attention dying down, they just had to drop that and move on. I haven't ever heard that part of the story. Yeah. I mean, why would you drop that? And it goes along with the idea that this he is just had some lived on this property or not this property. He had lived in this neighborhood, right. but he probably maybe he grew up playing with the people's kids. And if he's like a super gamer. Yeah. Then this feels like a game to him. Yeah. 
it says during Halloween, like, no one would walk by their house because it's terrifying. Some of the theories say that the Broadduses suffered buyer's remorse to realize they couldn't afford the home. So they, like, concocted this crazy scheme to get out of it. Or they he was trying to come up the with, like, insurance fraud. Yeah. Because that was before they moved out. Yeah. Some people were like, oh, well, they upgraded from a $315,000 house to a $1.3 million house. So how did they do that? Like, what's happening here? And so people were just like, oh, it's all them. Like, they're doing the worst. I know. So they were just like, this is ridiculous. Like, what what are we supposed to do? Like, how are we supposed to live this way? And they didn't want their neighbors, like, freaking out about this. They were trying to keep it quiet. But then, like, in the legal battle, everything just kind of blew up. You would have to. Yeah. It said, many of the locals I spoke to did seem more concerned that the national press would ruin the town's good name. Some were worried about arson, vandalism, and whether the Broadduses would maintain their lawn. Oh, my God. <laughs> it said they did. Clearly. He would go shovel the snow at 5 a.m. Clearly, that's our biggest concern. Yes. I guess that you're worried about your th- personal safety and the safety of your children. But could you just make Can sure you, you keep this? not lar- worry about this? Yes. I'll report you to my HOA. Yeah, exactly. So it says in the spring of 2016, they decided to put it back on the market, hoping it's going to get more interest. People had reacted to the letters saying that they would have ignored them and just moved in. So maybe they were like, oh, maybe it'll actually sell this time. Yeah. Um, it's like, yeah, prove it. Yeah. Lots of the people backed out. And then it said some got some cocky guy from Staten Island said, I'm going to get a house at a discount. He said he reads the letters and we never heard from him again. <laughs> yeah, because it's terrifying. It's a very elaborate yeah. letter. It's not yeah. just like you should move, you know? Yeah. It's like somebody who's put a lot of thought and effort into being yes creepy creepy so it said they talked to their real estate lawyer and the real estate lawyer was like i've got an idea let's sell the house to a developer they can tear it down split the property into two sellable homes and then you can get your money's worth out of the lot that you put into it and, and super like, make the watcher mad right because yes. they're like yeah taking care of the house and now you're gonna uh-huh. destroy it <gasps> yep the problem was the westfield planning board had to grant them an exception because the mandate uh, was 70 feet and each one would be 67.4 or 67.6. The Westfield Facebook group went wild. Some people were like, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for them. Like, yes, let's let them do this. This is ridiculous. Other people were like, no, this is going to ruin our town. And it says, it sounds like this whole watcher thing was a ploy. The owners are good people, not a ploy. So people are going That's like arguing over yes. these people. And then somebody said, okay, but I know nothing about this. <laughs> so when the, planning, yeah, when the planning board met um, to decide the application in January of 2017, they had a three-hour hearing on the issue. And more than 100 residents showed up. And they were just like, sorry, guys, we can't do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And that was four years ago. Just yes. So we're all keeping track. Yes. At 11.30 p.m., the board unanimously rejected the proposal. <sighs> The watcher was also no longer the only person sending anonymous letters. Last Christmas Eve of when this was written, several families received an envelope in their mailbox. They'd been delivered by hand to the homes of the people who'd been most vocal in criticizing the Broadduses. One of them who lived a few blocks down on the boulevard had written on Facebook, I wish we could go back to the days of tar and feathers. I have just a couple in mind. Another family who got letters told me it was weirdly poetic and that it accused the families of speculating inaccurately about the Broadduses. It included several stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of brewing mental illness had gone unnoticed. 
And it so was signed these letters were Broadus family. Oh, yeah. So the broad were they pretending to be the Broadus family? Yeah, it said the letter writer had clearly been. That could also be a somebody else, like not even related. You know how weird people just like yeah. insert themselves in stories. That could be that could be somebody who's like, oh, I'm gonna get involved in this right. Letters. Well, that's what it said. It was like the the writer of these letters had been just inspired by the Watcher, and they were like, we're getting in on this. Jeez, why are people so weird? Yeah. Not long after the planning board's decisions, they got some good news. A family with grown children and two big dogs agreed to rent the house. The renter told the Star Ledger that he wasn't worried about the watcher, though he had a clause in the lease that let him out in case of another letter showing up. Because a letter hadn't shown up in a while. Yeah. But then two weeks later, no. Derek went to the house to deal with squirrels that were in the attic, and the renter handed him an envelope. It said... Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. Wench. This letter, two and a half years after the Watcher appeared, came out of nowhere. It was dated February 13th, the day that they gave depositions in their lawsuit against the Woodses. It says, you wonder who the Watcher is? Turn around, idiots. The letter said, maybe you even spoke to me, one of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and you're too scared to tell anyone. Good move. Um, it said it was not as stylish as the other letters and just kind of hateful. Yeah, because it feels like if this renter wanted out, yeah. they could fake a letter yes. and be like, oh, that's yeah. in my clause. Yeah. Now I can leave. Yep. The letter said, I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. I watched you as you watched from the dark house and attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. Orders. All hail the watcher. <laughs> what in the world? Then the watcher mentioned the renter, um, and the renter was spooked, but agreed to stay if the Broadduses installed cameras around the house. Um, and the letter indicated revenge could come in many forms. Maybe a car accident, maybe a fire, maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away, but makes you feel sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. It was like we were back at the beginning, Maria said. The Rodices continued to press the case. There's still not much for law enforcement to go off of. And they, I mean, they're just going to sit there and look So do around. they still own the house? Uh, well, the couple bought the home for $1.3 They spent about 100000 on renovations. They took a $400,000 loss on the property when they finally sold it. They sold it for about 959000 It was on a Zillow database. I don't remember what date they sold it in. Yeah. And then, according to Deadline, Netflix won a featured rights deal to the story in 2019. That may have them get some of their money back. Yes. Because they would own the rights to the story. Right. right. Which means we all get to watch the movie. We get to watch The Watcher. So this is still, like... A thing. Yeah. And they never figured out who did it. No. And then I wonder if whoever bought it yeah. is are getting all, letters. Yeah, like, are you all just sitting on these letters, or what are you doing? I just can't. I don't like it at all. I can't imagine dealing no, with it. I don't like it. But also, like, go back and investigate that girl's boyfriend. I keep thinking, you know, the whole thing where police don't tell you everything in their investigation. There has right. to be some reason they let that go. Right. Because it seemed really promising. True. Especially when it got to the point where the watcher was threatening their physical health. Like, yeah. Like, maybe a car accident. Maybe, yeah. Like, I mean, I get up until then, it's like, they're just letters. Well, I mean, that's, that's 
Isn't that terroristic threatening? I would think. I would think so. Unless, you know, maybe the police actually thought, you know, nobody's real sure. Like, maybe these aren't real, you know? Right. You have to keep every option in your head, I guess. But, oh my gosh, it just sounds terrifying. Yeah. Well, thanks for telling that story. You're so welcome. Also, how could they not be real? Because the Woodses had received a letter before the Broadduses had it. Well, maybe they meant, like, it's not that they're not real. Oh, yeah, But, yeah. like, not actually a threat. Like, yeah. this person's never going to do anything. Right. But I wouldn't care. Like, how would you sleep at night? Exactly. Mm-mm. Mm-mm, I've seen too many scary movies. Not like it. And read too many true stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Yes, we love you all so much. I know we keep reminding you, but just in case, if you are interested in joining the Patreon, that means every weekday in October, you're going to get a new episode. This is the month to do it for October. And even if you're not on the Patreon, though, there will be several extra episodes on our regular feed as well. Um, You can find the links to everything. You can find us on social media, our Facebook group, the Patreon, the podcast store. All of that is in the show notes on this episode. Yes. We are trying so hard to keep up with everyone's messages. Yeah. Give us a couple of days to yep. get back. And um, we just appreciate you listening. If you haven't taken the time to leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay. We love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye.